What is up, everybody? It is Stick and Rink Podcast. We are back. We are the original crew. It's me and Josh today. Stick and Rink Podcast, also known as the Hockey Podcast. Um, also known as just one of the best sports and entertainment brands in all of the internet, everywhere. Of history, let's say that. Um, before I even acknowledge Josh and the missing one in the room, uh, I'm going to mention that DraftKings is a supporter is a massive supporter of Stick and Ring Podcast. Thank you to DraftKings.com, the leading daily fantasy user, daily fantasy site in the whole world. And I love using it. I've been using it now for months, ever since they supported us. And we have a promo code, as you can see on the screen. It's THPN. So anytime that you are signing up as a new user on DraftKings, you can use our promo code THPN. That gets you a free, a free, what am I going to call it? A free entry based on your first $5 deposit. So that's a pretty sweet little little, little incentive you got there. Um, and some of the suggestions that I got for you is let's dive into it. Now, we're going to talk some Canucks in this episode. We're going we're gonna to spin some things about the Canucks. Now, what you can do if you're a Canucks fan and you're sitting here saying, shit, I think they're done. Now, side note, that's a little negative of you. But what you could do is you can still bet on the Canucks, the players. If you don't trust the team to win, you can still bet on which players are going to succeed. You can you can make a DraftKings lineup stacked with some steals on the Canucks. You can throw in a little Cole Lind if you think he's going to pot a first goal. That's a real hot pick, spicy pick right there. I, I truly think that if you're a betting person, whether it's Daily Fantasy or Game Line Picks, that when a team is almost officially eliminated from the race, that's kind of the best time to choose. And that's when you're going to get good odds. That's when a player is going to have a low salary that you can easily capitalize on. So if you're thinking like I am, if you're a genius level person, then take your talents over to DraftKings.com. Once again, using the promo code THPN at sign up. There are eligibility restrictions. That is that is the case with gambling. Open your eyes if you didn't know that. Um, and they do apply. And they are written some more at DraftKings.com. So check them out. Um, minimum $5 deposit is required for our promo code. Other than that, that was a that was an ad read, people. That's a that's my masterclass on how to do that. Um, but other than that, I'm going to welcome my friend Josh onto the show, longtime friend Josh. How are you doing? Oh, harder, baby. I'm doing amazing. My face nice. is red because sunscreen is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> but I'm ready. I'm ready to go. It hurts to be surprised when I raise my eyebrows. It hurts my forehead. So that's nice. Yeah. Nice. Like, I actually can't do that. It actually kind of hurts. Um, I was up at 6 a.m. today. Actually, no. not Actually, no. 6.30, 6.45. Watch <laughs> F1. Get getting the Portuguese Grand Prix in. Mm-hmm. Went golfing. Life is good. What's new with you, pal? Hell yeah, man. I uh, what happened today? Well, I returned from camping. I was camping uh, Friday and Saturday night. Where were you? And so we were camp. Uh, my girlfriend's family was camping up in Fort Langley. It actually is not far at all. <laughs> like, like so, I I never thought I would be camping that close. To, that sounds like camping in Syria, like just straight up pulling into a forest and just throwing up the trailer. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but it was actually like one of 
so far out of my entire life, I would say it was, it had to at least be top five campgrounds or top 10 at least campgrounds I've been to. It was sick. It was so, right. So if you go into Fort Langley, have you been there before? I've golfed there, but I've never been. Well, oh, okay. I've driven. Have you been to the town? Like I've you've been to the town, it, I think. Yeah, it's a very small town. But if you, basically, if you go over the bridge that's at the end of the town, mm -hmm. over the little channel that is connected to the Fraser River, you go over that, literally immediate left, there's a campground right there. It shares the beach with the river, the little channel there. I, we don't need that. But it's a, it's like a decently mm -hmm. wooded area, very well set up. You got a little poop chute for the sewage line if you need it. It's great, dude. It's great. Had a that good times. So Bob. I smell like campfire. I returned. Uh, other than that, man, I'm doing I'm doing all right. It's a sunny day, and it wasn't supposed to. Love that. My my question for you is: You said it was a really good campground. What are certain things that you look for in a campground that actually make you think, "Huh, this place is okay"? Yeah, I need trees. Like I don't like I don't like a paved paradise. Now, no, to quickly sum it up. Not an RV park. To quickly sum it up, I never, just like Josh will say about himself too, I never grew up as like a trailer or an RV person. That was not my family's thing. We are a tenting family. Um, but as I got into this relationship and I've been camping with my girlfriend's family a lot more, they are a trailer family. And I used to shit on it. Like I used to like just give them the old Kardashian treatment. Like you guys are just literally made of 10 ply toilet paper. But <laughs> I am a convert, Josh. I love the trailer lifestyle now. Like, it's I can't hate on it anymore, dude. I, I do it multiple times a year, probably five to six times a year. I'm out there at the trailer and I, I fucking love it, dude. So so back to the question, what you were talking about, what, whether like what do you look for in a campground? Can't be a paved parking lot, even knowing that I'm now a trailer guy. But okay. I need a big ass fire pit. I just learned that this weekend because normally at some campgrounds, they have fire pits that are like just an old tire rim. And yep. it's like, you know, it's like six inches off the ground. This one was like a foot and a half off the ground. It was deep. Yeah. you mean And I, yeah. And I was pumped on that because I looked around and I started walking around the first night and fires are allowed right now, which is kind of rare in BC. Obviously wildfires happen every fucking year, but yep. I was walking around and everyone that was having a campfire that I saw, dude, it was, it was a hillbilly fire. It was, it was three feet off the ground. It was fucking blazing. And so oh, I wow. looked at that. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what the deep fire pits are for. And so I, that's that, what I need. Okay. Yeah. You know, as much as I hate trailers, trailers are dope. You, you can't hate trailers because when yeah. you're crippled and you want to go to bed and you want a nice queen size bed, it's there for you. Now, mm -hmm. I just thought of a content piece that I think maybe we could talk to Raph about. Stick and rink on the road doing a motorhome. <laughs> I think that would be sick. I so, still have this vision in my head of not maybe maybe not stick and rink, but maybe just our friends, all guys, five six people max, motorhome trip across the U.S. camping in Walmart parking lot. I think that would be so sick. Why 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 don't we just become long road truckers? Like Seriously, <laughs> why don't we all take just like a sabbatical all at the same time? Just you know, I actually don't know what the definition of that word is, so I don't. But let's all take one. I, I've I, it's so funny. I've actually thought about that trip, Josh, as like something I want to do in my life. Like I'd love to road trip for multiple weeks and like do the like hobo live abroad thing where you just sleep in the yeah. side of the road everywhere. That'd be so sick. Doing I it with the guys I'm now. That's that is. 
that's dreamland right there. Like we're talking I, like I, that would be awesome. And for some reason, I have another vision within that road trip that I would want to get you a Bubba Gump shrimp hat. So when you drive, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Gump. a boat. <laughs> no, a Bubba Gump shrimp hat that I oh, think yeah. you could just wear with like a toothpick in your mouth as you drive the motor home. I could, I would fucking dig that, dude. You know, I'm all about that life. You've, you, you had me pegged from the beginning, Josh. That's why I love you. You know, but as a, hey, as a more realistic plan, I would love, let's just do a stick and rent camping night. Like, it doesn't even have to be a trip. It could just be a night, dude. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I think I just uh, want to drive a motor home. I feel like at the, at, at the end of this whole thing, I just want yeah. to drive a motor home. Like you, you want to drive like the meet the Fockers, like huge ass RV. Like yeah. you want the, you want the horn and the whole, like, I want, I want the whole nine yards. I want yeah. like a 30 foot boat going down the highway. That's <laughs> now that terrifies me a little bit, that amount of responsibility, but I will say I'll probably just load up on CBD and I'll just enjoy the entire thing. I'll be like, this is great. I'll get the great. Triple. We can let raft drive the motor home and we'll yeah. hang out in the back. <laughs> seriously uh, okay we got some things to address before we keep going here so clearly it's the two musketeers today now devastating news uh raffle has been i think he has polio i think raffle has come down with polio he's he's done we're probably never gonna have him on again um he the problem with raffle is this is unconfirmed by the way he probably just attended one of those like anti-mask, anti-COVID rallies. And what they, so they don't have COVID at those rallies, but they still have polio because they didn't get vaccinated from that. So Raffle now has polio. He's crypt. Oh, and I'm alone. That's sick. Now, Raffle will probably be a little bit mad at me for insinuating that he has polio. But thanks, Josh. That was scary to say the least. <laughs> Now, the definition um, of riding solo. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, ride the pod, dude. I'm just <laughs> ride the lives. Just come and come and hang out. I guess I'm lonely. No, but so Raffles is not with us today. Don't worry about it. That's that's the quick and easy explanation. We gave him the day off. All right, people. We're supposed to give him four percent of the hours that he works off. I think he's earned it by now. He'll have a night off. Um, so that's that. Yeah. Um, should we? You know, the one part I'm missing already is is being able to throw it over to Raf and like see how he's doing. How do you think Raf is doing? Do you want like, me to do Raf's intro right for ahead. you? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I want you to genuinely ask. Okay. Ah. All right, Raf. Hey, Raf, how you doing? I'm okay. Uh, had a cup of coffee, took a nap, feeling pretty good. Kind of tired, but you know, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. And uh, 10 out of 10, cut. <laughs> Seriously, and we, we should throw it. And if the chat is out there, if you guys think you have a better raffle intro, just to go ahead and type it out and we'll read that out for you because I think that's pretty freaking accurate. Yeah. Because this chat, so so far for the podcast listeners, you're missing out on the Twitch chat right now because we have our favorite moderator, Bria. And all she's asking for is shirtless guys, which is a bit like we need to have just like it's not a penalty, but that's like just a bit of a, like a, a flag, you know? That, throw a flag on that one yeah it's a bit early yeah i i think come on bria we're not even 15 minutes into this and you're asking us to take our clothes off yeah we're not that's intense we're, we're not trans <laughs> you asked me like a 20 minute mark 
I'll take off yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> as soon as we see that triple digit dono up in there, then we're then we're set. Then we know we're getting paid for for shirts. Um, <laughs> then and for the podcast listeners, you might you might think, wow, I'm really out of the loop. Yeah, you kind of are because if you come watch the show on the live stream, I do take my shirt off from time to time. But and I love it. That's for that's for the future. Um, Josh, what do we got? Okay, we we are a Canucks podcast. Yeah, I think we're going to talk Canucks for quite a bit here. Yeah, for uh, not quite a bit, but like a good 20, 20 minute sesh here. I'm going to say. Okay. Um, I've got a bunch of topics set out now. I need to I need to enter in this conversation by saying about or it was literally the last episode, the last live stream, the last episode we recorded, I said the line, a lot can happen in three games. I literally, I think I said that word for word. A lot can change in three games. And now, in my mind, that was supposed to help me. I'm supposed to be playoff train Lige. That was supposed, we were supposed to win all three games and I was supposed to come back with like, judge, I have new evidence, you know? Did not happen, Josh. Did not happen. Um I guess I can throw you into. Well, we man. well since we last recorded, we lost three straight. Did we not? That's correct. Yes, ah. all three. All th- convincingly. Yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't the, even close. Now, if the first game back, we were down three nothing in the second period, and I sent out a tweet. I said I was still pretty positive. I said, "Hey, man, all three nothing comebacks once started as a three nothing deficit." So <laughs> you're right. And, and we proceeded to score, I think, one one or two goals. And then it went right back to like 6-3 by the end of it. So, yeah. um, buried. So, with the Canucks, when I look at this season, now we've all watched like military movies. Have you seen American Sniper? Correct. You know in the scene, or just in any scene? What's, of his, what's his name? Kyle something? Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle? Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle, yeah. You know like when he's at the funeral? And every Marine or, like, Navy SEAL, like, stabs the thing into the coffin and they salute the coffin. Yeah. That's us right now. <laughs> we, shove, we shove that pin in where you, like, push it in, then you... Like, literally nail in the coffin. And then, yeah, that's it. You're gone. But, oh, and that's... I know what you're saying. In that scene, it's, like, the, the dress pin. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, on the dress yeah, pin. Okay. Exactly. I see what you're I saying. I feel like that's where we're at right now. It's now I was going to mm, part of me wants to disagree. Most of me wants <laughs> to just be normal. You can't do you can't disagree. Yeah. Who's clinched in the Canadian division? Toronto. Only Toronto. Only Toronto. So there's room to maneuver here. There's a plenty of room to maneuver. Why don't here? Why don't we save our standings updates for the end of the Canucks segment? Because I, I agree we can go over every division just quickly and then we could briefly talk about where the North is heading. Okay. Um, the future of the North. Um, but before we do that, there's some Canucks topics that have been happening. So I'm actually like, you know what? I will say this very briefly. Being a being a Canucks podcast is a fucking grind. Being any podcast of a specific team is a fucking grind sometimes because you and I don't like talking about like the dumb minuscule stories where it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, Cole Lynn got an assist in his last minor league game. It's like, no, I don't give two fucks about I, that. I don't but when actual, yeah, when actual stories happen like this, now we're having a good time. So first one up here, I, I should clarify, not good stories. When big stories happen, it's easier to do the show. So first story, Edler fighting Simmons. It was Edler versus Simmons versus the code. Now, plenty of there's plenty of thoughts already out there, Josh. We might be a little bit late to the party, but I want to hear your thoughts on 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 whether or not that was deserved, whether it was the right move, anything like that. 
Um, I mean, after watching it and obviously what happened with Hyman, I don't know. I mean, knowing that it was Edler's first ever fight and this guy is pretty much playing his last couple of years in the league and he has to fight an animal like Wayne Simmons. I, th- I, yeah. I, I didn't really, I didn't really like it. Now, from the other hand, I do think that you have to be held accountable for your actions. Like a person okay. has to. So what I worry about is if Edler ended up getting someone to take the fall form or taking the fight, what, yeah. what if that person gets hurt? Now, I'm not saying that obviously Vancouver's in a crucial playoff race where, you know, if someone gets hurt, it's like the end, the end, like the end of the road. And it's really, really bad. But I also think, you know, still, like, even if you're one of his teammates, it's like, dude, like, you did it. You know, like, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, you're the one. When you know? break it down. Yeah. When you when you break down the facts here, Josh, it's Edler did it. When you break it down, Edler did it. Now, whether it's intentional or not, it doesn't matter. In hockey, you, you're held accountable no matter what you do. Yeah. So, I, on the other hand, though, I don't really like it maybe because of his age like yeah. the, the thing that i think of is if you've ever seen the movie goon like when <laughs> yeah. ross the boss ray fights the captain and he like one punches him that's what it looked like in that fight it's like yeah. where, it's like what are you trying to accomplish whether it was on purpose or not edler's not a dirty player it was yeah you know it's like but, why like why is this a- i'm not just yeah, yeah. So I, I want to get some of my thoughts out there. I haven't really like w- perfectly organized them yet, so they're probably just going to flow in a in a non logical sense. But so looking at the fight, it sucks as a Canucks fan watching like I don't know one of your childhood like heroes or one of your childhood favorite players get the sh- kind of the shit kicked out of him for a good twenty seconds. Like mm-hmm. literally, I don't think he threw a punch. No. It was <laughs> it was more of a boxing bag imitation than it was a fight. But even just knowing that. And watching it happen and hearing all the different opinions out there, whether it be Ian McIntyre, whether it be Kevin BX, all these different ones out there. What I've come to the conclusion as, yes, it was it was better. I like the way that that situation dissolved a lot more than 80% of the other situations that figure themselves out in the NHL. For example, that was a dirty hit. It wasn't intentional. Edler was he's out there and saying he felt bad about it because, you know, chain reaction. But when you actually look at the rest of it, Okay, if, how is that situation handled otherwise? If that, like you said, if Edler doesn't fight, someone else might fight. What if he gets fucked up? That kind of sucks for him. Mm-hmm. If no one fights, then we got dirty hits happening left and right. Yeah. And the thing, and then when that when when that kind of situation occurs, if you got Edler throwing the knee out, and then the next one maybe you got Simmons throwing a little bit of a blind side on Horvat. Well, now now each team is saying like, wait a second, one guy threw a worse hit, so now we got to get him back. Like it's you know it's just ever it, it, it's just it's, back and it's forth. Causing the fact. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, and it, it never dissolves. That, and I'm not just going to like take everything that Kevin BX has said and just regurgitate it. But I would say the my my favorite thing that he said was that after Edler fought, it was over. Like no one did anything after that. No one was taking runs. No one was even saying anything because it was an unfortunate situation. They lost a good player. But when you have someone answering the bell for themselves like that and credit to Simmons, he didn't jump him like you gave yeah. him a few whacks, looked at him, and uh, yeah, heat of the moment, maybe, but and you Edler fucking knew. let any and Edler knew. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I those are all parts of it that I like. I actually hope 
And now one positive I'm going to draw from this too, my last thought on it is that now I kind of think that this gives your team an identity of some sort, not a huge identity. It doesn't like change the landscape of your team, but in terms of how your team is allowed to retaliate to other players now, if, for example, if the same thing happens to a Canucks player, if, for ex if Hoglander gets need and there's a player on a different team and we feel like he has to answer the bell, I feel like that kind of reputation also sticks itself through the league. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're a team, like if you're, I'm having a hard time creating a comparison, but now I think teams look at the Canucks and say like, fuck, if I have a cheap shot, I myself am going to have to answer for that. Yeah. You know, because yeah, it's it, just the way it is. I, I feel the, I, I feel like the makeup of the team in terms of like answering the bell, like holding another team accountable, isn't really lost. Now, what I would say is gone is the fact that you have other players stick up for other players. Now, if someone's out there just trying to fuck up Pedersen or Hoglander or Horvat, whoever it is, just for no reason, they're just trying to get under his skin. And then, you know, your one of your tougher guys goes out on the ice to try and straighten them out. I think that's okay. However, if mm -hmm. Hoglander lays a knee or if someone gets need on the Canucks, the whoever, whichever player did it should have to stick up for themselves. Like you did yeah. it, you know, take mm -hmm. take accountability for your actions. You know, it's the only thing I, it doesn't matter if you're sorry. What matters is Pedersen's out for two weeks or Hoglander's out with a concussion. It doesn't matter yeah. if, if you're sorry. You you know, it doesn't count. Like, if you're in the heat of the moment, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are, how tough you are. You did it. And I think yeah. that's where I like Edler. Like, yeah, you might get the shit kicked out of you, but hey, you know what? Maybe you won't lay that hit anymore because Simmons is going to come yeah. and fuck you up. Which yeah, it, it, it does kind of change your brain chemistry a bit. Yeah. I, one more little wrinkle. I, I want to. We talked about playing the role of raffle as much as we can. Here's a little devil's advocate for you. I love it. In, in honor of of Senor Raff, um, what if it's Pedersen that throws the hit? And like he, what if he's Edler in this situation? Like that would that would kind of scare the shit out of. You. Especially let's say it's Pedersen throws the hit in a meaningful season, one where we are where the Habs are. We're in a playoff spot. You know, like that. I don't want to say it changes completely. It definitely changes. Well, what I what I will say, you, what I will say is, I think it even more. It it's even more so on Pedersen now, because here's the thing: he either fights now, or especially like you said, we're in a meaningful season. Well, Toronto's in a meaningful season as well. So if you don't fight now, they're gonna continue to come after you or players around you. So I would say yeah. get it out of the way, take a punch, try and protect yourself, turtle, and then just go down. You know? Yeah, I like I would I would say that's honestly like what Edler did, he didn't even do it that well in the sense of like you could if your plan is to to cover yourself and not really throw punches, you can pretty much stay safe in that fight. Yeah. I mean like, the, keep the, your helmet on, duck down pretty much. You're I, good. I mean, the way that I see it with Simmons is this guy was not wailing on him. Like you said. Like there was Yeah, he, he threw some he threw some big ones. They didn't land, but he definitely did, but I think Simmons probably wanted to give him a couple shots, and then that was it. Yeah, you know, he didn't go after yeah. him when he was on the ground. He didn't do any of that shit. Like it was once Edler was down, Simmons left him alone, and yeah, you know, I think it was more so Simmons was just giving him a a tough warning. That's hey man, like you do this again, 
it's going to be a lot worse for you. And, and totally. like, like I've said before, and you know, as well, Edler is not a dirty player. Uh, exactly. You know, it was just probably, yeah. like you said, in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Big time. Um, I want to move on to a little topic about the Leafs and the Canucks and about Patterson actually. So I wrote it down in here about just this idea uh, watching Matthews through the last, the, the entire season and the games against the Canucks, it's very uh, abundantly clear how impactful he is on their, on their game and any game he plays. in. Now thinking back to when Patterson was in our lineup, there's a separation there. Like there's a clear separation of the tier yeah. that Matthews is in. Yeah. There's a sizable gap. Uh, there, there's a noticeable gap for sure. I, I'm wondering because Pedersen's only one year younger than Matthews, and he's our like he's our franchise center. Matthews is their franchise center. That's not going to change at least over the next year or two. Um, do you do you see a world where where Matt where Pedersen can can evolve and, and develop enough to where he can be our Matthews? Not in the same skill set. He doesn't he doesn't bring the same skill set. No, but in terms of impact. Um, okay. My, don't get me wrong. I like, I really like Austin Matthews as a player. I really do. Mm -hmm. And when I compare Pedersen to him, I also kind of look at the supporting cast that Matthews has around him compared to what Pedersen yeah. does. So, with with PD, do I think that PD's done a lot more than Matthews with what he's had existed? I mean, it's it's hard to say because Pedersen makes an impact on a shittier team. Austin Matthews yeah. is a star of a good team. That's what he is. Mm -hmm. He's not the captain, but he's the star. So I, I can I can see a world where Pedersen does reach that level. I don't think he's there yet. But I think also at the same time, you need to put really good players around Pedersen the way that Toronto has done the same thing for, for Matthews. They, they, yeah. build, they build around Austin Matthews. Bringing in John Tavares, they're not building around John Tavares. They're building around Austin Matthews. What That's they true. did is they, very good point. They, they just alleviated the pressure of the captaincy off of Austin Matthews because being the star and being the captain, as we know, in a big market like Toronto is not good. It does not end well for anyone. Um, yeah, you, know, you need it's a tough uh, situation. You need someone to who can actually show leadership and just shield the blame because what Tavares does is he's the umbrella of shit that covers Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, just like Bo Horvat is for Brock Besser and Elias Pedersen and JT Miller and Quinn Hughes when shit's not going well. You know, that's what a true captain is, at least in a big hockey market as well. Yeah. No, the, the, bunch of good points you put out there. Bunch of good points. I would say, like, there's just a, there's such, there is just some sort of presence that Austin Matthews has. Like, there is something well, about him that when he's he's got the sweat. Yeah. Like, even on and off the ice, he's got. Yeah. He's. Everyone knows Austin Matthews. Everyone knows him. Totally. Yeah. And, and like a super marketable superstar. On a side note, mm -hmm. and. Just everything like he I've said this about Pedersen in the past and it's something that I hope to see from him is that he hasn't really developed this skill set of of taking over a game physically like you know how Austin Matthews like he's not known as like a guy that throws his weight around but he is a guy who's a bigger guy who you know if he's coming if it's a one-on-one -on -one third period three minutes left he's coming down the ice one-on-one -on -one, 
-hmm. there's a strong chance he might try and use his strong body and just make a fucking hockey play. Whereas Pedersen, like Pedersen's very much known for just the fancier side of the game, yeah. which in playoff time is very hard to execute. And in mm -hmm. important games is very hard to do. So I think that's kind of like the big separation that I see in, in terms of just what the comparisons are mm -hmm. um, and, and where he can grow. I, I'm excited to see though, because I Pedersen has proved me, even after seeing how good he was raw skill set wise, Mm. he's impressed me on on how fucking tough he is how much he throws hits how how much he gets in the dirty air so i'm actually excited to see how he grows into that i think he will i think you make you made a really good point with just in terms of skill set and and i compare Pedersen's early skill set to to sydney crosby's when he was earlier on in his career in the sense of sid used to be that very like finesse always tried to make the perfect pass the perfect play and it wasn't until they play like Philadelphia and the Islanders that actually really started to piss off Sid where he's like, okay, I need to play a little bit meaner and use my body or, you know, my, my, my physicality a little bit more because they're, yeah. they're going to, they're going to chew you out. Like they're going to, they're going to eat you and they're going to fucking spit you out. Like you're nothing. And I feel like Austin Matthews does a pretty good job with that. And as we've seen in the past, Pedersen is not afraid to throw his weight around. And there needs to be a series where Pedersen is starting to make himself tougher on the ice and create more space for himself and maybe not rely yes. on someone around him to do it for him. That's big. That's big right there. What you said, creating space for yourself. Like that's yeah. something that line mates can do for you. But if you do it yourself, it's 10x the, the value. And I would even say you know, just kind of adding on to that is maybe that's where Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau may have failed because there's always been like, who can play on the right wing with them? They need someone to create space. It's no good players create their own room. And how that's you true. do that yeah. is obviously it could be based on skate, like speed, elusiveness, but it could also be on your own physicality. Like Sean Monaghan is a big body. Now Johnny Gaudreau is a really good skater and that's how he kind of makes his his room and same with, you know, Quinn Hughes, but, and, and Mitch Marner and any other small player in the league. Um, but I think Pedersen is kind of looking for someone to create space for him still. But, yeah. And, yeah. And like you, you made a good comparison there where you said like the, the Goudreau and, and Monaghan to Pedersen comparison. Mm -hmm. And the other side I would say is like Matthews is looking a lot like McKinnon sometimes. Yeah. Like a little bit before those, these last couple of years, because McKinnon is, he's about as physical of a top tier player as you're going to get, and, I think. And he's just as, and the reason why he's physical is because he's fucking fast. Like when he hits you, yeah. he's going to hit you like a fucking freight train, not because he enjoys body checking people. It's because he just travels like a fucking rocket into the corners. <laughs> yeah. Inevitable. Like, that you're freight, he's a freight train. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's everything. It's it's hitting, it's puck battles, it's stuff like that where mm -hmm. you know Pedersen's feisty and he and but once he puts on weight, maybe I don't know. I just don't know where the avenue is gonna be. It's somewhere. We'll yeah. just have to see where it ends up, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, why don't we wrap up the hockey talk by going over some standings here? Let's do some standings updates. So we'll handle okay. the north real quick because the north needs to be handled. Now the Canucks are sitting at seventh place with 41 points. We're behind the senators by two points. We've got six games in hands, though, so fuck those guys. Um, I'm just going to tell you right now, the Canadians, we all know the, the first three. got the Leafs, the, the Oilers, and the Jets. Uh, the Oilers have a substantial lead for second. Even right now, they have 62 points with less. They have a five-point lead with less games played. 
Um, I would say they're going to wrap that up. Each team only has seven and six games remaining. So that's pretty much wrapped up. The, the Canadians now have an eight-point lead on the Flames with the same amount of games played. Each team only has six to go. So that one's even looking like it, it could be wrapped up in the, in the next two games right here. I believe that's the math, 12. Yeah, it, it, depending on the tiebreakers, that could be wrapped up in the next two games. Um, other than that, the most obvious one is the Canucks are going to sneak into the fourth spot. We've got tons of games left. We've got 11 games left. That's 22 points on the board. That puts our number at 63 points. The Canadians only have 55, Josh. There you go. You like that? You like that? You like that? Yeah, you like that? That's called positivity. <laughs> it's going to fucking happen. Hey, call me crazy. I I'll put this out there right now because people are going to call me a bandwagon if it actually happens. I'm not done on the Canucks. Don't fucking get it wrong. Maybe I think I have one more loss in me. Like, and right now, like I have one more, the next game we can lose and I'm still there. But after that, I think I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be officially, you know what? If we lose another game, the next game, I'm done. But until then, I'm fucking here. So just so everyone knows where I'm at. Um, but other than that, Josh, let's, do we have any thoughts about the, about the North here? It, it kind of seems sealed up, right? It, yeah. I mean, the way that you described it, there's too big of point differentials. I think maybe at this point, it's more so just placement as to who plays who. Um, yeah. When I look at playoff matchups, who would I like to see? I would really like to see Toronto and Winnipeg. That would be sick. Um, mm -hmm. And at, I feel like Edmonton and who's the, who's the fourth? So uh, the Canadians. Yeah, so Edmonton and Montreal, I think, would be a really fast series, which I like. Um, and then like. Toronto and Winnipeg would be, I would say, a pretty physical series, which would be interesting. When you're trying to prep for the Bruins, because you know you're going to play them, I'm pretty sure Boston yeah. might actually be done. Pretty sure. I'm not sure, though. No, I'll get to them later. Love that. You're going to have to play a gritty team in the U.S. You're going to have to, and you have to yeah. pay for it. I think we can say this, that every top team in the U.S. right now is, I'm going to say, tougher than the North Division teams. Other than Winnipeg, maybe. Every other team, though, the top teams in other divisions are tougher than the Canadian teams. Well, that's just that's just a fact. Um, should we? So there's, I could just say this. There's one interesting division when it comes to standings. Do you want to talk about that first or last? Uh, or like next or last? If you're not first, you're last. I don't know. We can, let's touch on the tough division. Okay. The tough, so the tough one right now. So you got the central division. And when I mean tough, I mean it's the only one that has a decent playoff race going for the last spot. So right now we've got the, in that division, you got the Carolina Hurricanes, the Lightning, and the Panthers have all clinched their spots already. They're all in the 70 point range, um, which is nuts. And then you've got the Nashville Predators in fourth spot at 58 points with 52 games left being chased by the Dallas Stars, who have one less game played with three less points. So, you know, it, it could be a one-point game when all when one-point separation when the games are caught up. Um, especially, man, this season is the story of teams that were written off. They were by far, they were in the de, the, the, the demo, the whatever, what is it called? The demo yard? Yeah. Where you demolish cars? Mm -hmm. Dude, my, this sunbeam in my face is getting bigger and bigger. Dude, I was going to say, it looks like you have a white mustache. <laughs> it's pretty sick. Dude. It's like a little effect. <laughs> uh, okay, but I'm gonna, I'll leave you with a thought, and I'll let you answer it while I fix that. Okay. But So, a, a, 
there's two parts. A, who do you want to see come out of this division in terms of adding entertainment value to this division? Yeah. Between the Predators and Stars. Yeah. And then B, who do you think? Is it different between who you want and who you think? Who Who's leading that division right now? Uh, right now, it's the it's not the Panthers. It's not the Lightning. It's the Hurricanes. So mm -hmm. all three of those teams are separated by two points. The Hurricanes have a two-point lead on both those teams. Um, the Panthers have the most games played. Yeah, it's pretty much two-point separation. Okay, so when I look at when I look at that division, I would really like to see. There's part of me that wants Dallas in there, um, just because I feel like Nashville is kind of at the point where, yeah, it didn't really help Elijah. Sorry. Yeah, it didn't didn't fix much. That's okay. I I feel that Nashville, they I don't know what direction they're going in. Um. I feel They're making a last ditch effort at this whole this whole Stanley Cup thing. It, yeah. The the other side though is if Dallas makes it to the cup final last year and they miss the playoffs this year, like you're 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 the St. Louis Blues that didn't pull through. That's what you are. Yeah. That that that's what your peg does. Um so I feel that Dallas has a lot more riding on this than Nashville does, but also at the same time. Nashville, in terms of, and I know you hate this term, but in terms of their winning window, it's closing. You know, Roman Yossi's getting old. Uh, Mat Matthias Ekholm is, I'm pretty sure, a UFA. Is he an RFA or a UFA? Yes, he, he has one more year after this. One more year. Um, you know, is Matt Duchesne the guy? There are multiple factors on this team. You know, can you continue to have success? So in terms of who I think and who I want are the same. I think Dallas, Dallas needs to come through. They're they're they need to start winning. They're very much. I think they've got two to three years left to be really competitive before Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan, Ben Bishop, uh, you know, start to become ineffective. And then you have to rely on like the Rupe Hints or Heiskanen. You know those type of guys on your in your lineup. All right, I see. I, I do not. I you good good on you today. You're making me not hate your opinions. Um, I'm glad. So looking at that, <laughs> yeah. So I actually like the makeup of both teams. I think it's it's reminiscent of the way you build a, a hockey team and a competitive hockey team in the 2020 years. Yeah. Where you know you've got in terms of names, you got names up and down this lineup, dude. Holy all friends. Do you have names like Joe Pavelski? You know how much I love Joe Pavelski. He's got 21 goals in 51 games. That guy gets you into the playoffs. So who do I think is going to make the playoffs? I think Joe Pavelski is going to make the playoffs. And I also want him in the playoffs. Now, what's uh, <laughs> even, dude, your little fucking chuckle even somehow made me lose a little bit of a train of thought there. That's nuts. I just, I, um, I love how of all the players, and don't get me wrong, like, for all the listeners out there, I do not hate Joe Pavelski. I just don't like your take on Joe Pavelski. This it stayed the same. I would say my my take is aged better than yours. Actually, actually, what I will say, no, no, no. Here's what I will say. You said that if Joe Pavelski stayed on San Jose, San Jose would have made the playoffs. This year, this was two years ago, I believe, right? Two years ago. This year, when you just said 20, 21 goals in fifty one games. That's good. That's a really good season for Joe Pavelski. Now, if you put him on San Jose still, I still don't think San Jose makes the playoffs. 
That's okay. So this year, maybe oh, I might have changed my team. Right. You're right about Joe. He's great. He's phenomenal, yeah. but he doesn't get your Jose over the Your top, your your point was less about Joe Pavelski and more about San Jose. Fact. You were you were sixty forty on the San Jose hate, and then forty percent still on the Joe Pavs hate though. Yeah. Because now I'll change my opinion for this one, and I'll say that I'm a little less certain that Joe Pavelski would have gotten them in the playoffs this year. I'm probably about sixty forty on that. But I sixty percent saying that he would, whereas that I last sorry it was, think. yeah. But last year I would say I was a hundred percent. Like I'm a hundred percent sure that if Joe Pabs, the guy that scored thirty eight goals in his departing season, was on that team, they they have they have stability. They've got their warrior there in the playoffs. I'm willing to stick to that. All right. Now, looking at the National Predators, I'm not even going to say anything. I want Dallas in there. We're going to move on. Okay. Um. No one else is really in the picture on that one. So moving over, let, let's talk about the East Division for a couple minutes here. Can you guess who's at the top of that division? The East. Because I, I don't – Because that that, that's like the Rangers and Islanders and all that shit. Uh, yes, yeah, the New York teams, Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington. Uh, who else? I think it's, it's, it's Pittsburgh, right? That's right. I, was, I didn't think you would know that. I don't look at the full NHL standings that often this season. Yeah. Dude, they, they were – in the dumps in the beginning of this season. People wanted Crosby possibly, or Malkin traded. Yeah. Or possibly Crosby. I think there was rumors about that too. Dude. And here we fucking are, dude. Dude, there's there's part of me that thinks that Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, and Sidney Crosby are the 1990 Chicago Bulls. The last dance. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Like, I, I truly it's believe it. that. I, I feel that they're writing that narrative right now. People think they're washed up. People wanted Pippen traded. People wanted Rodman traded. And they just continued, or they wanted to continue to build around Jordan in the sense Crosby. And, dude, these guys are, are, are unreal. Like, the duo that they have, they've surpassed fucking Mario Lemieux and Yarmer Yager in playoff points for the Penguins. Let's not forget about that. Like this yeah. is probably the best duo in all of hockey when it comes to playoffs. I'd say uh, here's a, here's a take for you: better than Taves and Kane. There you go. <laughs> Stuck on that. Uh, no. Josh, what have you done, sir? Dude, what have you done there? What have you just done? I'm just saying, dude. It's very plausible. They've got three cups. How many does Chicago have? Two. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, no, three as well. They have three as well. Three as well, dude. Pretty I, sure. I'm not saying that Pittsburgh's gonna win, I'm not saying that at all. However, if obviously Pittsburgh goes the distance and they're at least in the Stanley Cup final, that conversation needs to be had. Everyone mm -hmm. was so focused on the dynasty that the Hawks had. Well, the dynasty has lasted longer in Pittsburgh, and that's because of Sid yes, and Malkin and Latang. So is it safe to say the Bruins are are well? Uh, the Bruins, no, they, they have a sorry. The two, three, four in that division. You have the Capitals, Islanders, Bruins. Uh, Capitals sixty nine points, Islanders sixty seven, Bruins sixty six. They all pretty much have the same games played. Bruins have one less. Um, let's say that. Let's just say the standings stick to where they are. The Bruins play the Penguins. Who are you taking the Penguins? Easily. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, that's with, a tough one for me. I, I think the the my one reservation and I like you said I haven't really kept up on it how is Taylor Hall doing pretty I, I think okay 
or I think I think good, better than okay, not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but good, but yeah. good, good, good is good. Good's good. I mean, again, who is Rask playing this season for Boston? <laughs> Our NHL knowledge at its finest right now. I would say I've, I've I've heard of different goalies going in left and right. He must be dealing with injuries this whole season. Okay. I don't know where he is now. But. Okay, but he's but he's not there. Yes. I don't know, man. I think when it comes to when it comes to the playoffs, you need a good goaltender. You you need someone um, to to get it done. And when you when you look at those four teams, so it's Pittsburgh. I couldn't even name you their starter. Is it still fucking Tristan Jari or, or is he hurt? Yeah, let's let's go with that. Let's go with Maybe that. Maybe Casey DeSmith. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, who else is in that? Washington. So Samsonov. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's good. Pretty good. Give it to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston couldn't even tell you, so they're out. And who's four? Uh, the Islanders. Varlamov. Okay. Varlamov and Sorokin. Yeah, see, I would say that in terms of edge and goaltending, the Islanders, and they play the fucking trap. They do not play an interesting type of hockey. Yeah, this but, is a fact. But Washington does. And Ovechkin will fact. take clappers, and he will smoke <laughs> Varlamov. Yeah. Um, but I feel like all these teams are kind of at on their last legs, except for the Islanders. The Islanders are just coming. But Washington, Boston, and Pittsburgh – they're kind yeah. of at the like I said, very much like Nashville. They're kind of at the tail end of their of their dynasty. Or yeah. their, of their- I, I kinda like that. I like the way this division's shaped up. Like the way you just put it, how all three of these teams are on their last legs. I like that they're in the same division this year doing that. Yeah, yeah, hundred like, percent. Tampa's kind of a little bit younger than all of them in terms of what they can do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um but I like I like how Tampa's with the younger guys too, the Hurricanes, Panthers, all that, all that jazz over there. Yeah. Um okay, let's move on. Let's keep it going here. Um the other division is the West Division. The Knights are up top. We got the Avalanche, the Wild. They're easily clear of everyone else. Uh, the Blues and the Coyotes are kind of fighting for the last spot. The Blues have three games in hand and a three-point lead. So I'm going to go ahead and seal that one. I'm not. I give the Canucks. The oh, the, the Coyotes only have five games or four games remaining too. So I'm going to go ahead and call that division. That's over. And my, I'll come up with a question here, Josh, and I'll say, is there any? Do you have faith in the Minnesota Wild going into the playoffs? Are they going to make the Don't playoffs? Don't even worry about who. Oh, they're, they're, dude, they're, they have 68 points. The Blues have 53. They're fucking nasty this year, dude. They're 32 and 14. Now, blame COVID, guys. Don't tell, don't say that Josh is not a hockey fan and doesn't keep up. This shit's hard. This shit's hard to keep up with, man. <laughs> yeah, the Wild, the Wild are fucking good. Holy shit. Do I have faith? Yeah. No. It does not matter how good the Minnesota Wild are. I it it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. They something mm-hmm. always goes wrong for them. I don't really know what it is, but they're just they're I don't know. They're not a playoff team. They never have been, they never will be. Yeah. You know, even right. even when they had Ryan Suter and Zach Parise and Nikki Backstrom and all this shit, like it it didn't matter. It did not matter. I'm gonna I'm gonna join your boat and say I do not have faith in the Minnesota Wild. I, I like Kaprizov, and even if he does insane shit in the playoffs, I just don't know, dude. I just don't know. Every other team in that division is playoff seasoned. My, the Avalanche, the Knights, and the Blues. These guys are seasoned playoff teams. My my one issue is 
if you're Minnesota and you are solely relying on a rookie to take you through the playoffs, that is no bueno. That is no that bueno. Is, your right. your yeah. luck will eventually run out. People will learn how to figure out and play this guy. And that's going to be that. You it, and yeah. and that's the thing. You neutralize their one player if they have nobody else around. You know, maybe Spurgeon mm-hmm. like could still get it done. But you neutralize the one rookie sensation. That's it. So that's, that's all you need. Curtains. Yeah. Curtains. See you later. Okay. That's a very. I. Uh, we're gonna move it on, guys. We're gonna keep it going. We 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 sh- we pumped hockey talk a lot there. Yeah. Um. That's good enough for today, Josh. You can take a breather on that. Um, Before we jump into any golf talk, Josh, um, I do want to talk about some things that happened today uh, in my own life. So I just put it out on Twitter. I'm going to talk about protesters now. Now, I feel like talking about protesters, kind of an edgy subject in 2021. Welcome to to the Edge podcast. We just edge you all day. Now, I was driving to Stanley Park today, Josh. Uh, I was having some quality time with the missus. We were going to go... We were going to go rent bikes on the seawall and like go bike ride the seawall. Mm-hmm. Now I go into Granville bridge and police shut up. It's all shut off. Dude, the police got it covered and I come home and I find out that the, the bridge was shut off due to a protest about climate change. Now, how do I justify my madness here? I don't know. Fuck it. Is that how I do it? I'm fucking pissed. I hate being inconvenienced. dude. And I get it. That's the point of a protest. The whole point of a protest is they inconvenience you or they just bring awareness. And this one brings awareness by inconveniencing you. I'm kind of choked. Don't take away my bridge. Now, I kind of like I am a believer in climate change. Don't get me wrong. I'm not out here with the megaphone and the no mask. Fake news. I'm not part of that. <laughs> I am not. I'm not fake news, dude. Okay. Not from the deep south. I'm from Vancouver. I know. I know what's what. I'm kind of semi woke, but I I will say, why can't we just go to the art gallery like everyone else? There was, I went to the art gallery today. I think there was two protests in two hours. That's called efficiency. Y'all <laughs> shut down the bridge on me, man. Like I've thought about this. Part of me was part of me was kind of like stressed out because today I allotted for more time or like I just had extra time, you know. Yeah, but oftentimes, like if that had cost me my time going to the seawall, I would have. I'm kind of scared about how mad I would have been at the protesters, you know? Because I would have been like, "Dude, that's fucked." Like I didn't do anything wrong, and I just like my day was shot. You drive and a people, car, people, Elijah. That's what you do wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> and it kind of triggered me, like, because so we, that happened on the way there, and I think I was just in. I was in a mood, dude. Like it had me in a mood. Not it didn't ruin my day with the, with the lady. That was fine. But then when we when we went downtown and we were at the art, like we were eating food by the art gallery. Yeah. I saw the anti-mass protesters and I just felt triggered. Like I felt like I should be confrontational. Cause I was like, you know what? Fuck you, man. Fuck y'all. And so I thought about it, but I didn't cause I'm a little bit of a baby back bitch. Like mentioned on previous podcasts, I just felt like I should get some protester venting. Out mm, there. Okay. Is that, is that, did I, did I do it? Okay. I, I thought you were fair. I mean, the biggest thing with protests I don't know. Like, I like Greta's not happy with me. I get it. I just I don't I'm... understand when when people inconvenience other people. Look, I I get it. You're fighting for something, and if you really give a shit, why are you doing it in Vancouver? Go somewhere else. 
I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm uh, yeah, to, I don't get, I don't get that. I'm trying that. to I'm trying to formulate this to 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 do it in a nice way. I think okay. my biggest so thing is when when you inconvenience somebody else, you're what you're doing is you're indirectly shoving your views in somebody else's face. Yes, and, and, you and know that what? bothers me. You yeah, a Go protest ahead. that inhibits me from driving somewhere or just anywhere is like a Bible salesman coming to my door. I am not religious. I have no intention of being, but thank you. I appreciate yeah. what you're doing. I appreciate you fighting for something. But the Bible but guy is actually a bit better. Like at least he, you know, like he's not, that's like the Bible guy standing in front of your garage and be like, bro, I'm not leaving until you take a Bible. Like, and it's like, bro, like, I don't, I don't want to be a jerk, but like, I just want to go across the bridge. Yeah. Like, fuck. Now, and actually, I'll throw a logical point into this and I'll say, Josh, any person, now this is my opinion on the way that like that movements happen and the actual like cause and effect relationship of it mm -hmm. is that when we look at a less, like, <laughs> look at me saying less serious movement in, in climate change. Yeah. But when you actually look at today and you say, okay, to the protesters, every single person that you blocked from going to the bridge today. Do you think that any one of those people is more on the side of like has changed their mind positively because of this experience? Yeah. No. Like zero people have experienced today's bridge block and said, "Man, you know what? Fuck, I really didn't think about this. I need to do more about climate change." That's yeah. not what you do. But, but here's that's my just, question. That's not the answer. What if some guy comes over in a Prius? You gonna hit his car? He's being fuel efficient. Yeah. <laughs> What about the Tesla, dude? What about the Tesla? Isn't that sick? What happened? Shouldn't you let that? Teslas only over? Yeah. That should be, it'd, it'd be like an HOV lane. It's like a protester HOV lane. Like, we're shutting down this bridge unless you got an electric vehicle. That, now I'm a bit more open to it. It's a bit more ridiculous. But here, here's so, the other thing is we're in, now I'm not saying that I assume that people protesting climate change are not really bitching and complaining about what people are driving. However, yeah. we are in a day and age where people buy or try and buy because they're a little bit more expensive fuel efficient vehicles. Like people genuinely try and be as efficient. That's why we have recycling. That's why we, you know, have compost and all that stuff. You know, it's, I, I guess it's more so for me when people protest climate change in BC, you're protesting what I meant with the whole Vancouver thing, you're protesting in the wrong place. Everyone in yeah. Vancouver, okay, everyone in Vancouver is very climate change aware. We are environmentally yeah. friendly in this part. You want to go fucking think, protest? Go protest in Alberta. That's where the money's being fucking. No, seriously. No, but no, yeah, like, no, but honestly, no. It's a dangerous proposition, but like I know what you're saying. That's I'm, like I'm talking wrong. about effectiveness. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. Like <laughs> you, you're, you're gonna protest just, in Stanley Park, the the biggest patch of green other than Central Park in New York City. Cool, dude. You're you're around a bunch of trees. You're not by but like a fucking pipeline and like inhibiting yeah. those people. That's where the shit is happening. So I, yeah, I just yeah. I, I th a little bit of a devil's advocate before we move on. I think what someone would say is they're protesting the government's inaction as opposed to the citizens. But like, so then why at don't the same they time, like Parliament Hill, and exactly. <laughs> like on that note, <laughs> like how many government officials were trying to cross the fucking Granville bridge, dude. Like I, and it's, I, I don't think it's like z net zero gain in terms of like 
getting the government's attention. I think you might have done that today. They've done it many times. I think they're I think they did it yesterday and they're doing it tomorrow. So like now I'm kind of happy I know that going into tomorrow. However, it's not a net zero gain. You probably you probably did something noticeable to the government. However, I believe you've done less to the pot. Like you have negatively impacted the citizens in terms of their view on climate change. Like I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily smart citizens that are negatively impacted. Like I don't think it's the brightest people that are like, oh fuck these people. Uh-huh. But like I think you've I think you have a net negative impact on the citizens. So that's my thoughts on it. Okay. Do you want me to put a positive spin on some other stories? Sure. Two things that I saw during my walk at Stanley Park. It turned into a walk because I lost time, didn't have time to rent a bike. Thanks, Granville Bridge. Um first thing, electric scooters. I'm all about it. I fucking love electric scooters, Josh. They look sick. Heavy duty, high lot like maybe that's not fuel efficient or like economic. I don't know. Fuck it. We're done with that. Do you like e-scooters? Would you would you ride an e-scooter date with me? I mean, if I worked at Google, yeah, sure. Google <laughs> Apple. I feel like that's 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 what I would. <laughs> maybe we'll do we that dude, we always go to this avenue with things, but content, dude. What if we do a little sticking ring episode? On e-scooters, we'll we'll wear lapel mics and we'll get raffle on the scooter behind to have to like follow us with the receiver. So it'll have to stay close the whole time. Love that. That like that'd be for. I like the other thing. Other positive spin: bongo circles, bongo drum circles. That was probably the most peaceful I felt all day. I needed a good dose of peace in my life after that. After the other thing we talked about, and just like. There was six people. Me and Megan asked this question. Do you think they know each other? No chance. They are strangers. They each own some form of a bongo drum, a maraca. There was a guy who like, yeah, he was just shaking a maraca. That was his job. They, I don't know if they have a community group chat, if they have, if everyone's just carrying their instrument around with them and they stumble upon each other. There was, I I watched them for probably like a minute and a half. Like zero conversation between them, minimal eye contact. And my God, did they still have rhythm? Good for you. That was sick to watch. That's my rant for the day. It was part of the climate change protests. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic? Like they're like this, they spearhead the Granville shutdown. They don't even, they do so well. They don't even have to go to it. They're like, yeah. fuck you, dude. You're not allowed to like our drum circle. Like, yeah, so. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What? did i just listen to oh this game this game is this game is just bullshit now oh my gosh i actually they actually made me feel uncomfortable what was it panty what the game has gone to bullshit panty melted why do we record these during the middle of games oh god be sure to listen to Corey and i every monday we are your go-to source for the arizona coyotes on the hockey podcast network do you want to move on to golf talk let's move on to golf talk okay i'll let you lead this topic you go ahead okay so I played golf today. Uh, I played at oh, what? What golf? Uh, Westwood. Westwood. Fuck. How? How do you know where I played? And you weren't even. I've, there. I've typed it in Google too many times now. <laughs> so I played at Westwood in Coquitlam. Hilly is all hell. Golf course. They make you cart. It's included in the price, which is not that bad. Um, I shot a one of six. Oh. to the listeners that listen to this podcast well you'd be aware that my last round i shot a 92 at sandpiper 
And I just decided, because I thought it'd be fun, to add basically a stroke on every single hole that I played. That's basically what that math equates to. 14 extra strokes. Now, I was saying to the guy I was playing with today, if I'm going to be shit, let me be shit consistently. Don't give me a 106 and then two weeks before dangle a 92 in my face and say, hey, Josh, you're going to have a back nine of your life and you're going to beat your friends was not the case. That's, that's a feeling right there. Now, there were a couple things. I, I won't touch on my round too much. The only thing I will say is the, <clears throat> the course, the, the whites were actually under 6,000 yards. Like it was, okay. yeah. So rather short course. Yeah, pretty much. And I felt that I barely actually got to hit any. I only hit my seven and eight iron like a handful of times. And it was more so like tee shot and then like wedges into the green and putter. Mm, so, I see. Okay. so my wedges were actually fine. I was not um, disappointed about that. But my putting dude. Oh, oh no. Oh, dude. The flat stick, dude. Dude, the flat stick was murdering me. I three putted four times on the front and three oh, putted good three God. times on the back. Oh, no, Josh. Or so no, it was it, it it was tough. Um, or no, yeah, and and cons- all all that considering, like my, um, yeah, the the putter murdered me today. My my tee box game was yeah, it was just it, it's usually how it always is. Um, it was in play. Lost a couple balls. Yeah, it was pretty narrow, um, which was even more daunting because you would be, you know, downhill shot, narrow trees, all that stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, um, overall, not really a good day. That the pot, the putter was brutal though. That that put um, that put the nail in the coffin for sure. So the guys I was playing with though, and this is where my my question kind of stems from, is are there things like what are certain things that bother you on a golf course aside from your own game? Now it doesn't have to be like during the game. It can be before. It can be after. What are certain things that you think you're like, fuck, like, I just, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like it. Okay. What are certain things? Okay. So now we're not just talking nature. Like we're talking what other people do. It can, it can be. Things happen. Okay. So, okay. so first thing that I'm going to say, and I think this is a unique take. If I don't get to laugh before we tee off, I'm not happy. I'm not in a good mindset. Like, for example, when you're at a foursome with the boys, or hey, even if it's a if, you know, if it's a couples game and it's people I know, people I like, I'm vibing with. I don't even have to know you as long as you got a vibe to you, mm-hmm. and you and we get a chance to laugh a couple times before we tee off. I'll probably have a good game. Now, if I'm playing with strangers, that's all right. But if you're also the personality of a brick wall and you don't like to laugh, you're gonna fuck up my golf game. <laughs> so come ready to laugh if you're gonna play with me. That's number one, Josh. I'll let you go next. We'll kind of alternate a little bit. Okay. Uh, my, and the things that happened today, um, didn't, didn't happen. Well, actually one of them did, but the first thing was music being played. It wasn't my round today, but I hate when people can golf. I hate when, of course I like silence. Really? Yeah. It drives me insane. What it, so let me ask you this though. I've actually, I've never played music with my friends. I, whenever I golf alone, I usually throw some tunes on just on my phone, like, 
on half volume in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, I almost pretty much hear it just when I'm walking. If, if I, um, if I don't hear it, I don't care. If I can hear okay. it, I give a shit. It bothers the hell out of me. What about this? Let me ask you this. So let's say, let's say you're having a shit, a shit first five holes. You're in a mm-hmm. shit mood and someone throws on some tunes. Does that make it worse for you? You think? Yeah. No, like oh, it, it's not, do I think it's, I know. It is, um, eh? Yeah. It, it, it drives Man. me insane. I need to, I need to be able to concentrate. It's like, for me, I would compare like, not that I do this very often, but reading when I, if what, the odd time, like very odd time, I crack open a book, it needs to be yeah. silent or it can, or it needs to be outside. I can't have music on as I, as I read, I need to concentrate yeah. on what I'm reading. You know what I mean? Some people can, and I'm the same way as you in the reading. Some people can, which I, it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so Josh, I'm going to say something. Don't get offended when I say this. We're friends, dude. You and I, we're good pals. Oh God. Do you think, do you think I'm going to, I'm going to say the question and then fix it as we go. Do you think you take golf too seriously? Yes. Now, not like not. And like on a case by case basis, like, Totally, like I, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. You've seen me. I've, I've flipped mm-hmm. the fuck out. Yep. But I, I don't know if I've seen like you're locked in when you golf, and like you said, now the music is like the music side. I don't really give a fuck with the music, but I don't like. I don't know if I've seen you have like a like a goof around golf round, or even just like a semi goof around golf round. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, is, I, I take golf very seriously, and I don't yeah. think that's a bad thing. No, I don't. Yeah. And, okay. And, I'll let you talk for a bit. You, you just like explain your thoughts a bit. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go and, after. and I'm not saying that like it's because you said it, but uh, like, I don't, if someone's like, you take golf too seriously, I would hope so. I, I would hope because yeah. I'm, it's just, I, I like to be competitive. That, that, that's what it is. And, and sometimes golf is a very, like, um, when people say like you're too serious, those people that do that, you just can't stay focused or you're just having too big of a shitty round to even care. You know, yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is when I play, and it can also kind of depend on like the people I'm playing with as well. Like if I'm at like a, if, if for example, e, you and I go to like a shitty part three, sure. Yeah. Let's, let's have some fun. Um, yeah. But if you're like, Hey Josh, we're going to play a full 18. I'm not out there to, have like obviously i enjoy it but <laughs> you were about to say it though you were about to say it <laughs> just say it for the record come on <laughs> i'm not out there to have fun i'm there to win um <laughs> i love you but but that's the thing though right like if like when i play shit like it bothers me it's hard to keep a positive attitude you know it is yeah. um yeah, because it's just such an internal grind. And I guess like the concentration for me is is huge. You know, yeah. and so th- and this is what I've noticed about you. Yeah, sorry. This is what I've noticed about you too, is that I'm sure you know this about yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Like when you're when you golf, like I said, you're locked in, you're like laser focused. And when you're playing good, like when you have the round like you shoot ninety two, like <laughs> Yeah, well you you kinda laugh. Like we were having a good time. That was kind of a, a a trip kind of golf day as well. Yeah. But you're right though. You, you very minimal talking mm-hmm. and like it's very zoned in. And w- in those instances, I look at it and say, no, you know what? That's, that's like a good thing. Like that's part of the reason he's shooting a 92 right now. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, 
like I've been with you during the rounds of like the 106s. I've been I've been I've been side by side with you <laughs> shooting a 106 in those rounds as well. Like, try like it a is, 118. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like it is at that point, I feel like, hey, you, you do you, Josh. You are your own, you are your own man with your own penis. But <laughs> at the same time, I feel like you've got to it for your for the sake of future, Josh, you've got to unlock the I don't give a fuck like reset or something like that. Like, I don't know if it's a laugh. I don't know if it's like a do something stupid, say something stupid or like have an outburst out loud. But in terms of like, when I think about this, I think, okay, one day we're going on a golf trip. We're going four day bender. We're playing four rounds, that kind of thing. And like some of the rounds are going to be messy. Like we're going to be blackout drunk and there's got to be a different gear for Josh there. Or even if it's in between, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing for me is if I if I drink too much, I get sloppy. Oh yes. And and that and I think in turn when I start drinking, I try and do it to relax me and to keep me just like loose, like you said. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I start chunking shots, then I turn into angry drunk Josh. And that's <laughs> that's like a whirlwind of shit. So I try and yeah. actually not drink as much um for that for that purpose. So in terms of, I was also going to ask you about superstitions. Do you have any superstitions when you golf or no? Or like any routine I, that you do? Well, okay. Like I have swing routines. I don't follow them as much as I should. For those who listen, who don't play golf. Like swing routines are actually, everyone says this, coaches, players, everyone says that swing routines are one of the biggest keys to being consistent and actually playing well as a swing routine. I don't really have one that I do every time, but I would say each round I kind of have something that I, I, I try and do. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of superstitions though things before the, the the round during the round stuff like that i actually would say that i'm like actively trying not to i don't know if that itself is a superstition but i've told myself like i i constantly think about golf like you do on the mental side and i think about how i try and picture my path to to the 80s and to the 70s of golf greatness how do i get there yeah and i picture myself getting there by not giving a fuck mentally like having a very a goldfish memory and so I try and like almost actively take out superstitions. I'm like, no, I'm not going to tie the same shoe every time. I don't give a fuck. Like that's not yeah. going to change this. So maybe that itself is a superstition. But how about you? So I, I've actually got like four of them that I kind of do or, or right. don't do. Take but, it away, Zach Granke. Let's hear. The The first one is I'm always on time. I, I cannot be mm-hmm. late for a golf round. I hate being rushed. If you tell me to like, like I I'll maintain a pace of play. And that's the other thing. Like I don't go slow. I go at my own pace, but as soon as someone's like, we need to pick it up, that stresses me out. And I do not like it. Um, but you know, you have to, that you can do it. Well, I can. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. I can, but like, yeah. I don't like, I hate looking back at the T box. Like as soon as I look back and I see someone, I get stressed out. So I try and not do that. Not really superstition more. So just, okay, like, I see. Deal. But I'm always on time, though, getting to the course. Uh, my ball marker is usually in, I would say, my back left pocket pretty much all the time. Um, I never wear a glove, uh, mostly for a grip thing. But, like, I feel like I could rock one now, but I choose not to just because I've gotten so used to golfing without one. And then no fucking golf carts. I, I had to cart today, and that really pissed me off. Um, granted, it, it was definitely not a a walking course for sure but i need the mental preparation in between golf shots i can't skull a shot 
go two seconds and be right there to hit another one. I need to walk the extra like 10, 12 seconds, be like, okay, Josh, reset. Golf carts drive me nuts for that reason. If they allow so, me to walk, I'll walk. I've now I've I've played over my years of golf, I've played with a bunch of old people, whether it be parents, grandparents, older people, whatever. I've I've been in the cart game. I know the cart etiquette, not the etiquette, sorry, like how to optimize your cart in terms of mental and just like time and stuff like yeah. that. You think you have the the right skills to be able to optimize the cart? No. So like you got to be comfortable telling whoever take the cart. I'm walking. Like for for a hole or for like a shot. Yeah. I I did that so many times in the last one where I was like whether shit shot or a good shot if you just want some time, you take a walk. You're like I'm going to grab my club, and grab three clubs, I'm walking. Boom, right away. Yeah. The other thing now, this one, I'm going to go ahead and retroactively blame my sandpiper performance on the golf cart driver, partially give him four shots, four or five shots, maybe. If you have a shitty driver, aka doesn't have to, shitty's a mean word. If you have a slow driver, I need whoever's driving the cart, we need to be hauling motherfucking ass. Like, that's <laughs> like the only way to do a golf. Yeah, even if you're doing a course like Peace Portal where you are going Mariana's Trench up to Mount Everest after <laughs> one after another. I want to be flooring it down these hills. I'm not like, we're not dancing around the subject. I need, it's kind of like a little mini roller coaster. Like that's my version of a reset when I'm going to the ball. Right. Like help me reset, like get my heart pumping and then I'll relax when I go to the ball, you know? Okay. I like that. Okay. That's my thought. That's all I kind of had for golf. So do we want to move on? Yeah, I'm down to move on. Why don't we wrap it up with some, are we going to do some NFL draft talk? Let's just talk about the draft. We need to talk about the draft. The boys were yeah. buzzing all last week in terms of picks. What didn't mm-hmm. happen, what did. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of them were actually playing tennis during, which I was actually upset about. So I didn't even put anything in the chat because I'm like, no one's going to reply. So That was me. I was out there. Yeah, exactly. Tennis is equivalent to crack cocaine right now. I will do anything to play it. So I apologize to you for that. But Love that. go ahead. Keep going with that. Okay. So the NFL draft, Saturday night. As we all saw, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach, is it Zach Wilson? Yeah, Zach Wilson. Zach BYU. Wilson. They go one, two. Um, couple picks that I just want to talk about. Trey Lance, the 49 Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. I was honestly kind of shocked by that. Now, my one question, and you may not know this, but did Carson Wentz also go to San Diego State or uh, North Dakota State? I have no idea about that one. I'll search real quick. I feel like he did. Um, sorry, it was, it was North Dakota State is what we're talking about? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. He, he did. did go there. The same as Trey Lance. So, I mean, they must be doing something right in that university. But, you know, honestly, I, I, don't, I, I don't really know the book. On Lance, and I want to get your take just in terms of big name school quarterbacks going into the pros. Do we like it or do we not like it? Yeah, that, that's where you know I feel like a lot of my sports knowledge is is based around hockey, and, and I don't want to mean like I only know hockey, but like my logic in terms mm-hmm. of is all based around that. Like when we talk about draft picks and we talk about scouting and, and minor league teams and stuff like that, like the NCAA whatever schools minor leagues it's all the same thing yeah um so that's one thing that i've I've found really hard to get used to other sports baseball the same you know basketball i don't really follow the draft too much but but even like 
and football especially. Like it's hard, it's hard to. For example, some some things. Devontae Smith wins the Heisman. He's like the third, fourth receiver chosen. Mm-hmm. And I, I I know why. Like I know the profile put out there on him, but in a sense, he outperformed every receiver on that list. So yeah, that that part confuses me. Other things like that, where you know you get a guy like Trey Lance who clearly has shown good things at a pro day. That's one big thing that you need to acknowledge that changes it is how they perform at the pro day. The whole Zach Wilson, he was not the second overall pick before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you said, they're playing at a small school. You're not necessarily playing. Impo- I don't, it's, that's, it's hard for me to grasp what an important game is in the NCAA because I only think it applies to the big schools, but clearly even for, you know, teams that aren't anywhere near the college football playoff, Games are big. I get that, but yeah. it, the, the amount of pressure doesn't seem the same. But clearly, it is because people value that. I I wonder if there's also a sense of, you know, like if you don't play at like an Ohio State or an LSU or an Alabama, that you know if you're Trey Lance and you play in you know a obviously a Div one university, but you don't see see as much stiff competition, that scouts look at that and they're like, hey, this guy plays on a shitty team, yet with you know cro- like obviously. Uh, below average defense, below average receivers and run game. Yet here he is going up against, you know, like weak competition, but he also has weak things to work around. Totally. And my one reservation, I was just kind of thinking about this as you were talking is with quarterbacks or just any player coming out of any big name university that win a lot, they don't know how to lose. Like you go yeah, like serious. mentality. Like you, I guarantee these players coming into the draft were unreal in high school. They probably won multiple state championships and shit. They're consistently yeah. ranked top ten in the FBS, and then they go yeah. and then they go to like a shitty team with like a bad quarterback, and like they're like, okay, like this is it. You know, this is the yeah. team that I'm on, and it's hard to. It's hard to get out of this winning cocky mentality when you play on the Raiders. You know, like Henry Ruggs III went from Alabama to Las Vegas. You know, that's, yeah, that's and that's, this, that's a good relation to Trevor Lawrence. Like, people would say to him, he's only lost two games in his life, like something like that. Like, he, like he's lost two games at Clemson. Now, one was obviously a national championship game, which is which is huge. That's pretty easy to learn how to lose there. For sure. But <clears throat> there's a difference between learning how to deal with, like, a big loss, like the end, the end all be all championship game where it's like, you're kind of, yeah, you are trying to get better, but mid season, like, like you said, being on a six and six team, trying to find a way in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's something that these guys have never experienced. Yeah. So, so like that's, I, that's 100%. I agree. Adversity is something these guys lack in yeah. terms of being in, in terms of a team environment. So um, I got a question. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say who made the worst pick in the top 10. I'm going to go ahead and say the Cincinnati Bengals. How do you let yeah. Joe Burrow blow his knee into smithereens and then not, and then you draft a receiver and not the tackle? You yeah. fucked up. Yeah. I, I don't care. The, I don't care. The LSU connection, dude, your, I, your I, quarterback had an inverted knee and you drafted a receiver. Here's, here's my theory on it though, is there's yeah. no way that Cincinnati made that pick without at least consulting Joe Burrow. Now he didn't mi- now I'm not saying Burrow obviously made the pick. But when you have Penny Sewell, the be- cuz every year that you always have like the 
like the best players that fit the team needs. And then you actually have like the best athlete in the draft. And that's Penny School. He's the best athletic guy. He's built, he's muscular, and it always tends to be like a guard or a lineman or a defensive tackle, whatever it is. There's no way that the GM or whoever runs the Bengals didn't go and say, hey, we like Chase or Sewell is going to be on the board. What do you want? And I wonder if Burrow had the confidence to say, look, I don't mind running. I've got a good running game with Joe Mixon. And you give me a receiver to throw to because you lost AJ Green. So now you have no you have Tyler Boyd and he's not a number one. And now you get someone that he's familiar with. All right. I see. I I I, I so, it's not a flawless yeah, situation but, for sure. But I also I also wonder though, you like I wonder if Joe Burrow goes to the gym and is like, hey, look, I don't mind running. I don't I don't mind running. I'm not a pocket passer. I can scramble. You know, his injury was just a freak accident. Like, it's just like a guy ended on, on him awkwardly. Like, not like he – and most QB injuries are. You know, like, whenever you tear an ACL, it's like it, you just land awkwardly. And we – Something we, went wrong. And we saw it throughout the season, like, there were so many times when we would see Joe Burrow slide, and it was – they were not good slides. They were not, like, at all. Like, Cam Newton knows how to slide. Kyler Murray knows how to slide. Guys that have probably played baseball – that also play football know how to slide. Burrow did not know. Um, now, obviously, he got sacked. So I, I can see why they made the pick. I agree with you, though. I think that was dumb as all hell. Um, yeah, but, tough look. Yeah. So the other one that I want to talk about is Carolina and Denver both go with corners at eight and nine. How fucking good are these guys? Like, I don't, I don't sh- like, you can show me like game tape on like a QB. Or a wide receiver, or running back, and it's it's easy to evaluate the talent. How the fuck do you evaluate corners' talent? Like, is it just how well they glue to a receiver? And I like, think that's got to be one of the positions. That's got to be a pro day evaluation almost exclusively. Like yeah. so much so, like how do they get off? How's their first ten yards? How do they? What are their splits in terms of the drills? And any kind of any kind of scenario based drill that allows you to see his IQ. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I really think of all the positions you aren't looking at, at like game tape. You're not really, you're, you're 10% game tape on this position. Yeah. Cause like you said, especially for guys who aren't at big schools, you're not going up against like the, the best Smith. receivers in the game. You aren't going up against the best receivers in the game who also don't have the best quarterbacks. So like your job is, it's completely different than it will be in the NFL. Yeah. But that's a great, great point. Those two picks are, are a bit weird. You know, I, I honestly thought I was pretty surprised that Carolina didn't go with a quarterback. I know they have Sam Darnold, but I just, yeah, I don't know. Just not really feeling it with him. Um, yeah. Justin Fields, man, to the Bears. I'm actually pumped for Chicago. I think they've never had an elusive quarterback, like a true yeah. guy that can run. So I'm really excited for that. They overpaid 100%, but when you have a guy like Justin Fields still on the board out of the top 10, you, you need to get him. You need to. 100%. Yeah, I would agree. Um, how about looking at the Patriots real quick? Of course. Um, so, no, now you have best case scenario for Josh here because the Dolphins, who'd you get? You guys got Jalen Waddle? Yeah. Jalen Waddle. And 
the and best case scenario, so you got an impact skill position, and the Patriots drafted a player who's not going to play for them this year. Like that's probably the best case scenario. Is even getting a look? I, I don't think so. Oh, dude. Mo, mo, well, mostly I don't think Jones is getting a look because I think the Patriots are in playoff contention, and I think Cam, like I, I do, like we can talk with the bet as much as we want. It, it's it's a clear secondary thing here is that I believe the Patriots will make the playoffs. And I think, yeah, sure. I guess if they, if they completely stumble and they're like two and 12 or two and 10, even, even two and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do see Mac Jones, but I don't see that happening. So that's, that's where, that's why I say it's best case scenario for you. It should give you a bit of hope here, Josh. It's because you, you know it's, it's no Patriots to pull it off, but at the same time it is it, this year it won't affect. You know what I see? I see a very similar situation to what Miami had last year with Fitz Magic and Tua. I think there's going to be certain games where Belichick is like, okay, like you're going in. You know, just if if you're doing well and you have a couple games to spare, if you think you're going to make the playoffs, I think that's when, um, you know, that's when you will see Mac Jones. Now, I don't really know anything on Mac Jones. I don't, I don't think he's the tallest guy. Um but this is this needs to be Belichick's redemption here in the next five years, maybe yeah. even shorter. He needs to develop another quarterback that they actually took in the first round, because Belichick hasn't had to do that. He doesn't have to do it. He's drafted Brissett, he's drafted Garoppolo, all of which are not first round quarterbacks. And because he's had Tom Brady, this is his time to actually be like, look, I I can I can develop. A guy and a star. Make, make yeah. New England better to what they already are. You did you almost say make New England great again? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Robert Kraft is a is a Trump supporter. Um, the last yeah, hey, one, give 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 him a label where a label is due, right? Yeah, exactly. The last thing, I, the last two picks, I will say, Travis Etienne going to Clemson, keeping the whole Trevor Lawrence and uh, going to the Jags. Yeah, right, okay, Jags, to yeah. the Jags. Uh, Travis, yeah, is it Travis? Yes, Travis at the end to the Jags, fucking keeping Lawrence and him together. That's smart, kind of like the bro chase thing. And then the last one I will say is Najee Harris to Pittsburgh. He is going to be so good in Pittsburgh. I hope so. I I have turned my my opinion around quickly. I didn't have one before, but I've now paused. Did you hear the story about how he held held his draft party at a homeless shelter that he used to live at? Really. Yeah, humble guy. So like, that's big ups to that guy. <clears throat> that's how, like that's how you endear yourself to an entire league, right there. Yeah, that's smart man, right there. I, love I uh, and just great guy. Uh, some housekeeping, real quick. Mac Jones, six foot three, two hundred fourteen pounds. Big guy. I see. I see Mac Jones' first year being like Patrick Mahomes in his first year. He played. I think he played the last. I think he started the last game, and. Obviously, show what he could do in practice and everything like that. I don't think he's Mac Jones is not going to be Patrick Mahomes in his career, but I think his first year will look similar to that if it goes the way I think it will go. Okay. Where he, you know, they're in contention the entire year. Alex Smith is playing. I don't even know what the result of that was. I don't think they made the playoffs with him. No. And 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 here you have maybe maybe the Patriots don't make the playoffs, but <clears throat> I think. He's not getting in more than two games if it goes the way it's supposed to go. Okay. I like it. Good take. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's all I got, man. That's all I got for you today. Uh, class dismissed, Josh. 
Uh, is that bud? Fuck yeah. DraftKings promo code THPN. Do you have anything else? You want to close off with anything funny? No. Other right. than my golf Prefer- game shit, I will <laughs> keep everyone updated on my next round. Hey, you know what? I feel I hate to take take gratification and misery, but Josh, I feel rejuvenated that I can beat you again. I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Maybe anything's possible. No, seriously. If you catch me on an off day, I'm easily beatable. But if you catch me when I'm on, you're not going to even come within a sniff. The last thing I'll say on this podcast is that I am looking for the biggest reason I'm looking forward to shooting the 80s is because I feel like at that point, the bottom of my game is above the hundreds. Like the meltdowns are in the 90s. But clearly, that's what I said. That might not. That might not be the case, yeah, because <laughs> that's what I would have been excited for. Is I was a ninety-two, I'd be like, oh, maybe my bad rounds a ninety-nine now. Yeah. Eh. No, no, no chance. Oh, harder, baby.